If you were to board a plane with the knowledge that every tenth seat would drop out of the plane on the flight, you wouldn't board the plane, right? Tonight, we're going to deal with the topic that affects one in ten people. And it's a topic that um, I'll say right from the start, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not delivering this, bringing this tonight because of anything I know in, in the church body. I'm... I'm bringing this tonight because God's laid it on my heart, and it's been in a process of developing, and I've said, oh, God, I don't know if I want to do this. And this aspect, it, it, it has been troubling me for a long time by what I read in Christian books Christian magazines, Christian Twitter. There are certain things that I expect from the world, but there are other things that I don't expect from Christianity. And, and I really believe it's in epidemic proportions in Christianity um, from the various things that I've seen and read, and it deals with the whole aspect of alcohol. One in ten people that are exposed to alcohol become alcoholics, and it is culturally acceptable in Christian circles to drink wine. And we're going to go into some of this tonight. I'm not going to go into all the details of this. This is where I'm coming from. I believe that, that many have grown up in good homes where alcohol wasn't a problem and they haven't been confronted with it. And, and then they get out and they think, well, Jesus turned water into wine, didn't he? How many of you have heard that? You haven't read your Bible if you haven't heard it. Jeez, read your Bible. It says he turned water into wine, right? But they use it as an excuse to say, Jesus turned water into wine, so why can't I be partaking of it as long as I don't what? Get drunk. Okay, now, the picture that they portray with this um, turning water into wine is that, that they had been drinking all this wine all this time and had ran out of wine, and, and so they needed more, and you know the story, that Jesus then um, turned water into wine, and and gave it to them in an abundance. Now, seriously, picture this. If this is 
And again, I'm not going to go into all the details of the... In fact, I made some copies of things that are on the table in the secretary's office uh, that you can pick up for further detail. But can you honestly picture this? There's a wedding at the Lucas County Fairgrounds, let's say, and they ran out of their alcohol, and Jesus shows up and he says, oh, ran out of alcohol? Here, I can help you. And I'll turn this water, turn on the hydrant over there, fill all those up, turn it on, and I'll turn it into wine. Have at it. Seriously, do you picture Jesus doing that? But we use that Jesus turned water into wine, and as long as I don't get drunk, it's okay. Again, we'd be here way too long to go into the details, but... There are, there are uses of the word wine in the Bible. And the uses of the word, it is spoken of at times as a blessing, an emblem of spiritual mercies and eternal happiness. Um, we're not going to turn to all the passage, but it's, it's mentioned as an offering to God. It's mentioned as blessings and comforts, as an emblem of the blood atonement which gives forgiveness of sins. And it is used in the good sense. Our English translation translates it as wine. It will translate it in another sense where it is spoken of as the cause of misery and an emblem of punishment and eternal wrath. That in our English are translated wine, okay? So you say, well, wait a minute here. There's no way that these could both refer to the same drink. And, and when the scripture speaks of wine as a comfort and a blessing and an offering to God, um, it is a, in, in the biblical sense, it is a wine that, that contained no alcohol or what we would liken unto grape juice or such a low level of alcohol that you would have to drink all day and all night for it to, to affect you in an adverse way. Nothing compared to the alcoholic beverages that are available today. And I mean, um, and again, I refer you to some of the materials back there if you have further questions, or I'd be happy to talk with you more more detail. I'm going to come from a much more um, practical sense here, um, and and I fear... My heart's desire, I don't know if any of you have ever helped a drunk back to his home and knocked on the door and had his wife come to the door and you hand this slobbering drunk to his wife. I don't know if you've ever had that. I don't know if you've ever had where you're counseling a family that is is bearing the adverse, adverse effects of alcoholism in the home. 
I don't know if you've ever dealt with a wife that's been beaten by her drunken husband. And, and to me, there's this grave danger. On, on both sides of my family, there's a history of alcoholic abuse. On both sides of Marilyn's family, there's a history of alcoholic abuse. And, and that has been pretty severe. Well, you know, there's only one way to avoid being an alcoholic, and that's to never take the first drink. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to get into the aspects, it's a disease or this or that, but I don't know how it, it affects different people in different ways. And to me to take the chance, well, I've got a 9 out of 10 chance that it won't affect me, I don't want to take that chance at all. Because I know the, I've seen way too many times the effects of alcohol. And many of you here today could give accounts of it and maybe first-hand accounts. And maybe even talking about this brings back some, some bad and bitter memories. But it is clearly evident that there is some, some grave Concerns in this matter. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. Proverbs 20 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. There, there is a deception that comes about with alcohol. Alcohol immediately affects the brain. Even before drunkenness, it immediately has an effect on the brain. You know that it inhibits uh, proper thinking. And it is very deceptive. And throughout Scripture, you will read warnings like this. Wine is a mocker. It will, it will deceive you. It will turn into a mockery. And, uh, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. There is a great deception that comes with the whole aspect of, of alcohol. And there are many, many dangers that come with it. So that we must be watchful in our own lives. We must be alert to things. I don't need to go into the dangers that that are there. And maybe we do. I mean, I I can it's things like this. I can remember working on the railroad and 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 a guy bought a brand new Mercury Cougar. And nice car, and went out on the weekend, got so drunk that he couldn't remember where his car was parked, had his car impounded, taken because it was parked too long in the wrong... He he came to work Monday and had no idea where his brand new Mercury Cougar was. Couldn't remember. I'm I'm taking notes in my mind, you know... They're saying, come on, Dennis, why don't you come drink with us, you know? And I'm thinking, yeah, right, this is really brilliant, you know what I'm saying? 
Come on, you know. Why don't you come to the bar with us after work? They sell seven up there. <laughs> I said to him, I said, I spend enough time around you guys during the day working out here. I don't really have a desire to spend more. I have to tell you, I let a little of my flesh come out quite often. We'd have to unload the tie plates from a a railroad car, unload them where we were replacing ties. You could tell the guys that had hangovers. Tie plates are made, you know what they're made of, they're steel. You toss those things up, they make a loud noise when they hit the ground on other tie plates. I didn't gently put them down. I was flipping them out of there. That probably wasn't the best thing to do, testimony-wise, all right? But they made me mad because they'd always hold this as the way of life. It's not the way of life. Homes are broken and, and disaster comes in relationship. And we don't have the time to go into um, how cancer is enhanced. I am not saying everybody that has cancer had an alcohol problem, but it it, it opens up your body to to not have the same resistance. We could go on and on. There's great great dangers in this. And and to see how close to the edge we can get without falling over is not wise. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. There is great danger in it. And we understand that there really, not only is there deception and danger, but the folly of it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. For for this sake, let's just say right now, let's just say, okay, it's fine to drink alcoholic beverages as long as you don't get drunk. Let's just say for the sake of argument that it is. I don't believe that. I don't believe biblically you can produce um, produce that conclusion. I don't believe biblically if you get in and study the use of the words that were used in the original language for wine. And number one, nothing becomes wine naturally. You can't just set a, a thing of grape juice out there and it will naturally become wine. It has to be under precise conditions and so on. So, let's just say, though, it's okay. Notice 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So just because something may be 
lawful, how does it help? How does it build me up? How does it help me physically? How does it help me spiritually? How does it help? Let's just say that, okay, it was. But does it help me? And some would say, and, and I've read this, I've read this in Christian magazines, I've read it in various things. You know, people say, I just need to get home and, I just need to get home and get a glass of wine to calm me down. Seriously. How is that any different than the way the world looks at things? How is, how is this helping us? How is this showing the glory of God? The reality is all things are not expedient. All things do not help. And I hear people say, well, studies have said that it's good for your heart. Know what I've found good for my heart? Jumping rope. Exercise and work, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Those things are good for the... How many of you heard, I just need a, I need to go jump rope for 30 minutes. It's good for my heart. Again, we need to ask, what is this? Okay, so here I am as an adult, and let's say that I can drink alcoholic beverages and, and I'm, it, it doesn't have control over my life. But what is the message that I'm giving to my kids? And what if there's one of those kids that cannot control it? Do you want to be raising that drunk son's kids? Do you want to, to introduce him to a life of control by, well, God can deliver him from it. So you want to just kick your kid into the curb and, and let God deliver him? See, the folly that this is, this is grave, grave danger in these areas. And we aren't hearing anything about this in very many places at all. In fact, it is almost mocked if you have a position like this. Our nation has become a bunch of winos, if you want to know the truth. Apple orchards throughout the West have been replaced by vineyards for the purpose of money and and it's it's as popular in christianity as it is not it really does and provides an opportunity for a stumbling block and in galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 you have been called to liberty only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. You know what? A person can do whatever they want. But when I use my liberty as an occasion to my flesh, 
I have ceased from serving God and I'm serving man. I'm serving myself. We ask the question, what would be the purpose for me partaking of this? I think sometimes in Christian circles the purpose is we want to show the world that we're not that weird. Because to the world, you can't have any fun unless you have alcohol involved. I mean, that's basically the world's mentality. You know what? We ought to be able to show them we can have even more fun without the alcohol. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But, but we ask, what is our purpose? We're reminded, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Be not conformed to this world. You don't win them by being as much like them as possible. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The question we need to ask, and and really, what is it in my heart? What is it my heart desires? Alcohol is not the problem. The heart is the problem. And just as we mentioned this morning, we forsake the God that is the fountain of living water and we desire to fill it with alcohol. Now, when we mention there's a major drug problem in Sheraton, you probably don't think of alcohol as a major drug problem, do you? We think of meth and Marijuana and all those things. The biggest drug problem in our nation is alcohol. I mean, go to Hy-Vee and look. They build on this big addition and it's all wines and spirits. In this little town, they're moving that product. I said, I don't know what any of you do. Some of the girls that work at Hy-Vee that attend church here probably know what you do. You ever think about that? But the reality is, it is, a, it is a major problem economically. And I looked at the figures, and I'm not going to bore you with them. What it costs our nation, what it costs employers. There, I would like to hear one good thing that comes out of alcohol. I can list for you all kinds of horrible things. And the reality is the Bible is full of warnings and we're going in Christianity and snatching something out, taking it out of context and using it to justify our own desires that I fear many a person down the road is going to end up shipwrecked, not realizing the dangers and the warnings. I I just mentioned Proverbs 20. You read Proverbs You can't read Proverbs without hearing it over and over and over and over again. I challenge you, read the book of Proverbs, a proverb a day. And we need that because it reminds us over and over again about these things that we're prone to to be sucked into the world's ways. 
But as I said, to me it's just, it's just, apart from, from going in and looking at what biblical wines were, just looking at it from a common sense standpoint, if, if there is this grave chance that one, I could become an alcoholic by doing that, then I want to stay away from it. If there is this chance that, that I could be a stumbling block to others with this, then, hey, no problem. I, I'll not be involved in it. Is this really going to help me? And why is it that I desire it? Sometimes we don't want to be the oddball. And I know many of you work in situations and, and even in business settings, you know, why you can't, you can't even have a business dinner without, well, I feel like the oddball saying, no, I don't drink. You know, the reality is the dangers that are here that God warns us about. And you go through the scriptures and you find it over and over again. You can read the dangers. And I know um, this is a lone voice in the wilderness, but I know that I'm going to answer to God. And I know this is what, in the feebleness of this tonight, I know this warning is what God wanted. And the reality is we must be alert. He said, all things are not expedient or helpful for me. So I will not be brought under the power of any. What is it that you're brought under the power of? What is it that's controlling your life rather than God controlling our life, as we mentioned this morning? It doesn't matter if it's alcohol, if it's uh, greed. Whatever is controlling our life apart from God is sin. And and I am not saying tonight that alcohol is the root of all evil. The Bible tells us the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is why we have the alcohol problem. Do you understand? They shut off cigarette smoking, basically, right? Those of you my age and older, you remember... Cigarette smoking was everywhere. They smoked in airplanes. How many of you remember that, right? But they got that, whoa, this is a bad problem, and they shut it down. Why haven't they done the same thing? More people die on the highways from alcohol than anything else, especially cigarette smoking. I am not defending cigarette smoking. Don't go out of here and say, I'm defending that. Why, why aren't they shutting down the alcohol industry? All that it's costing, all because there's too much money involved in it. The love of money is the root of all evil. And that's what, that's what promotes. And Satan has destroyed untold lives and homes because we believe the lies of Satan regarding the truth of alcohol. You know, some of you could get up here and give testimonies to the fact of the personal damage in your own life that you've seen as a result. And you know what? Maybe we need to do that in Sunday school classes and stuff. I mean, 
You come to church and you look, oh, everything's wonderful. Maybe people, you know, I said I can remember pulling into an apartment parking lot and my dad said, that guy is so drunk he can't get to his apartment. We need to go help him. I was just a young man and, and there I am trying to hold this guy up and seeing seeing it firsthand and knocking on the door and the shame and the, I can't even describe it to see as my dad handed this lady her husband. You know, all we see is the ads and, and you know, all the ads, well, if you want to, I don't even know what the ads are. I Mine was gusto, you know, that's an old, old ad, or I don't know what they, but they show everything, the, the macho guy, you know, and, and this and that and everything around. Go to Bethel Rescue Mission and take a look. Now, that won't ever happen to me. I hope it never does. I don't wish that on anyone. But the reality is that isn't in your, your hand and your control. And nobody, nobody takes their first drink saying, I want to become a drunk. I want to become an alcoholic. Nobody does that. But how do they end up there? I don't know all the dealings of it, but it has a profound impact on our life. And there's enough battles to fight in the Christian life that if I never take the first drink, that's a battle I'll never have to fight. And every one of you as young people, I would say to you, you want to simplify your life, never, ever take the first drink. I don't care how much fun they make of you. I, they, they will. Your high school teammates will say, come on, let's go. What's wrong with you? The people you work with will do it. You'll be faced with that over and over. But I tell you what, it's worth it when you're not the alcoholic And you don't have to fight that battle. And you know what? They won't be around helping you when you're fighting the battle of alcoholism. They will long have forgotten you. They won't be there. But they'll do everything they can to pull you into it. They'll do everything they can to suck you in. And the fear of God better rule in your heart. I don't want to displease God. I want to honor God. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would I put that which defiles into it? And you know what? You can, all of us can do whatever we want in this. And you can, you can dismiss it. That's between you and God. But I challenge you to seriously study these matters. And I said there's some helpful materials back there. And and I I really I I'm getting sick and tired of reading in Christian stuff justifying and poo pooing these teetotalers and oh we have the liberty to do this and that. The last chapter hasn't been written in all of that. And many lives have been destroyed and many more will be destroyed. And that's where every one of us has to come personally to a point in our life where we say, this is, this is what 
I believe from the study of Scripture, and I'm not justifying what my heart wants. We can't fall into this thing of, of letting our heart lead you. Let your heart lead you. That's a crock. That's a lie. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Let your heart lead you. It will lead you astray. Let the Word of God lead you. And and He will give you the courage to stand and do what's right in a right spirit. I, I didn't always have the right spirit with it. But in the right spirit. And realize the people that we may know that are in the bondage to this, the only thing that will liberate them is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will set them free to give them a new heart. The problem is not the alcohol, it's the heart. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would just bring this to our hearts in a manner that I cannot do. And Lord, I pray that you would awaken us to righteousness. Not to look to see what we can get by with. Not to justify. Not to be more appealing to the world. But Lord, that we would live for you. And I pray. Lord, I pray that there would not be here tonight that we would ever have to see the ravages of alcoholism affect anybody that is here tonight. Lord, I pray that we would have humble spirits that are hungry for you. And I pray that our heart's desire would be for you and you only to avoid anything that would hinder our walk with you, whatever it is. And Lord, I pray that you would raise us up to be the men and women that you want us to be. May we truly be dedicated, separated unto you, Holy for your use and purpose, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.